Come on, His presence is here today. Don't be distracted by what's in your heart. Father, let your glory fill this house this morning. Let your glory come and touch every heart and life here this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and restore lives today. Come, Holy Spirit, and restore hope and dreams again in Jesus' name. Restore lost dreams this morning. Bring strength into your people today, Holy Spirit. Father, I hold your whanau, I hold your sons and daughters before you today. Lord, those that are facing struggles, those that are facing challenges, let strength from heaven today fill their hearts. Let strength of heaven fill their spirits today. I thank you, Lord, that you say in your word that you can make a way where there seems no way. Where what it appears like to us, it looks like there's no way. Lord, you know exactly where the way is coming from. Lord, you have already prepared in advance. Father, we put our faith and our trust in you today, that you are faithful. And all God's people said, come on, all God's people said, come on, let's give Jesus a shout of praise this morning. Come on, let's give Jesus a shout of praise this morning. Come on, let's honour Him today. Amani, are you here this morning? Amani, where's Amani? Where are you? Where's Amani? Lord's going to touch you, Amani. Amani and Bodine, are you here? Amani and Bodine. Wherever you are, the Lord's going to touch your life this morning. Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for every household here today. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that your presence will come and just touch and minister into each heart and every life here today. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said? All right. Come on, why don't you turn to somebody and give them an uffy this morning. Show some love. seats again. Come on, just stretch your hands out to Amani and Bodine this morning. Come Holy Spirit. Don't be shy. It's all good. Go and just lift your hands. I know this kind of may be a bit new, or, but I've had you in my heart for the week. 
Lord's going to touch and move powerfully upon your life again. Just when I was praying about restoring dreams, the Lord gave you a dream to be great when you were younger. People mocked you for it. And that mocking came into your heart and cut you, cut your, cut your spirit. And it's almost like you, you just packaged that up and just put it away and I don't want to be that anymore. But when I was away overseas, I was praying for you and I, I felt you come into my heart. The Lord showed me a picture of Samson. And um, Samson was a strong man, but there was a time where he lost his strength. But then there was a time where his strength came to, he regained his strength. One of the things I felt for you is there's going to be a, a regaining of strength inside of your life. Where you are, where the words of the enemy, where the words of critics cut and sap the strength of your heart, sap the strength of your dream. God is going to come and breathe upon that life again. This time it's going to be different. This time it's going to be different. God is going to start to uh, work in your body uh, physically. God is going to start to work in your spirit and in your in your heart emotionally. Those voices that have been echoing in your life, you're going to hear no more. You're going to start, the Lord's going to start to hear. It's going to start to, I can see a changing in what you start to hear. That You're going to start to hear the voice of the Lord. When God speaks, He calls us up. He doesn't condemn us. He doesn't pull us down. And His voice is going to start to pull you up. There's going to be a renewing of strength, a strength in spirit. One of the things about Samson was this. He brought victory. to his, He was, became a leader in his generation. He became a judge in his generation to his people. And he brought great victory to them. And I just see that today that the Lord is going to increase your strength in many different areas. And one of the areas of strength he's going to give you, uh, he's going to give you a strength of discernment, but he's going to give you a strength of voice. The people that are, in fact, the very thing that the enemy used against you, the words and the voice of people, will be your strength. You'll be one who speaks strongly. You'll be one who speaks articulately. You'll be one that speaks hope. You'll be one that brings life and restores strength into other people. Bodine, the Lord's going to start to work in your family again as well. What's been taken, what's been lost, there'll become a restoration inside of your life. What, where there's been shame, God is going to start to restore honour into your lives. I encourage you both, not let your heads hang low, but lift up your head. The Bible says that He is the lifter of your heads. Now it is time for you not to stand in the back, not to stand in the shadows, but He is going to be the lifter of your head. Many people are going to listen to your voice of hope around the world. I bless you today. I bless your family today in the name of Jesus. I bless your heart and I bless the dreams that are upon you in your heart today in Jesus' name. Touch them, Holy Spirit. Lord loves you. You're amazing people. Yes. (laughs) Come on, give Jesus a shout of praise. Are you ready to give this morning? Are you ready to give this morning? Hello, are you ready to give this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. 
Father, we thank you that you are, um, you are so, so good. Lord, I thank you for the amazing opportunities that you give to us. I thank you today that even right now that you are working in our midst, even right now that fresh ideas, fresh initiatives are being released into the hearts of your people today in the name of Jesus. I thank you for our business people. I thank you that right now, Lord, you bring them from strength to strength today in the name of Jesus. I speak over our business people, those who are management, those who own their own businesses. I speak over your flocks. I speak over your, your crops. I speak over your staff. I speak favour in the name of Jesus Christ. I call you up to a new level of strength. I call you up to a new level of influence and prosperity today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Come on, we tithe and sow our offerings this morning. Missed you. Great to have our young people back as well. You guys are absolute champions. Where's Glenda? Glenda? Glenda and Gary come away, come back from Vanuatu. Here's Glenda. Come on, Glenda. Come on. You went to Vanuatu? We did. What happened? Oh, it was great. You know how you can say um, God is not extravagant, but He's never wasteful, you know? And so when you reflect on what you've done and the encounters you've had, you just think, man, if I just went for this one thing, or I just went for that one thing, or I just went for that one thing, it was all worth it. And, you know, there's never a time when I step into Pastor Kavik's church, he came here for 10 years with the IRC scheme, um, and I don't cry because I'm just overwhelmed. I look at the chickens outside and the dogs chewing bones and <laughs> these people worshipping God and all the beautiful little black children, and it's just, it's just fantastic, you know? Yeah. And... Um, and even if I didn't ever step out of our hotel, you, you have encounters with people. We had breakfast every morning with a Muslim guy who, from Bangladesh who's working for the UN. And um, we'd share with him and he'd share with us. And we learned so much and he learned so much. He'd ring his wife every night and talk to her about what we've been talking about. And it was just fantastic. You know, we just thought, wow, this was, this was just worth it for that, you know? So... Um, yeah. So next year we're going, we're going to take a team again, and I just want you to think about it now, okay? And just kind of like, we can be enlarged. These people know God. The first missionaries did an amazing God and the amazing work in the Pacific. But, you know, these people need an update on what the Spirit's doing around the world, and so we can take that to them. Yeah, so afterwards I'm out in the foyer about the... Um, garage sale, so you can talk to me about that, but you can also talk to me about going to Vanuatu next year. Come to any other team that was around last year. They they will encourage you to go, okay? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you, Glenda. Okay. Next year is going to be a great year of missions, I believe. We're going to be sending many people from this place. We'll be going to different countries around the world to bring blessing, but also to have your lives transformed. So get ready. If you haven't got a passport, just have a go at getting one anyway. And uh, even if your pastor's a wee bit checkered, have a go. And just give it a shot. And Because uh, I believe that God can make ways where there seems no way. And uh, you just got to step out and be bold sometimes. Eh? And I also want to extend a warm welcome to those that are watching online. We've got people from uh, Alabama, from the US, watching online and uh, wanting us to plant a church over there. So give your greetings to Alabama and to the UK and to wherever you are watching in the world today. We want to extend a warm welcome to you. It's amazing I mean, how, how far the church, how far our influence starts to reach now. And uh, the world has changed. And 
We've got to change with it. Amen? Fantastic. How many people got your Bibles with you this morning? Thanks, guys. Fantastic. I believe that we're um, coming into a new season. Uh, in fact, we're always coming into new seasons. Literally, we're coming into spring. And, uh, but I believe that God is, I'm so hungry for what God is doing in our life at the moment. Uh, uh, we just had an amazing time in Taiwan with our young people, met some amazing people. It's interesting, I find this, is that sometimes when God takes you to a place, what you think, the reason why you think you're going there, sometimes there's other reasons that are in beside there. You know what I mean? Sometimes there are people that you connect with on the side that you don't even know why you've connected with them. You don't even know how the connection really took place. But actually understanding it in that moment that, uh, that this is a person that is treasured by God and that God is work, continually working in all things. Amen? God is continually working in all things. God is continually working in our lives. He doesn't just work in the church. He doesn't just work in a cell group. He doesn't just work in conferences, but He works in all things. He's continually working in our lives, connecting us with people, wanting to do things, wanting to move through us to, in order to touch people's lives. And uh, I had, a, had the privilege of meeting a, a doctor over, in, over in, in Taiwan. He was one of the most absolutely remarkable doctors I have ever met in my entire life. He, he most likely become... Uh, the world's wealthiest man in the, in, the, in, the, in the near future. And I'm sitting in this place asking myself the question. I met with him not just once, but I thought, actually, I'm going to go back and meet with you again. So I ended up meeting with him about three times uh, and still not, not quite sure. But one of the reasons I felt in my heart was this, is that God brings people together for certain times and for certain seasons. Sometimes you just don't know when that's going to come to fruition. But at the same time, you've just got to be, make yourself available to be a channel of blessing. And uh, it was just absolutely fantastic to see uh, Pastor Mike, a uh, minister over in Taiwan, and to see a stadium on their feet as he preached and uh, as they introduced him. So what we have here, what we have in the house is absolutely just phenomenal, uh, but so easy to be missed. And I'm going to be pre pre preaching on that in the next few weeks about how you can tap into the legacy that is being forged in this house. And it's something God, God really spoke to my, me in my heart. But this, today I really want to speak again on what uh, I've just con continually stirred about all of us coming into the places, place of promise that God has for us. And I don't know about you, but I remember the prophetic words that got been spoken over your life. I remember the prophetic words that have been spoken over this church. I remember them that have been spoken on to, over mine. And one of the things I want to see is what God has promised for me and for us and for you to be manifest over our lives. Amen. I believe it. God is a God that doesn't keep people stagnant. He doesn't keep people small or or, or, or moving back. There is always a place in our life that God is wanting to bring us forward into. And that's why I'm so captivated at this, point, at this time about the promised land because it's not just a geographical place that God is bringing us to. God is always bringing us into a place of promise in our life. And there is a way that you can receive it and there's a way that you can miss it as well. I see so many people, they miss out on the promises of God. I've seen people that have been prophesied over on this very platform and they've turned their face and walked away a week or so later. 
there are promises that people walk away from. There are promises that have been set. God has prepared them. Like the Bible says, he says, um, he says, for no eye has seen nor ear has heard, nor has it been conceived in the heart of those that God, of the things, the good things that God has prepared for them in advance. So there are things that are in the spirit. They exist in another dimension of time that God has prepared for you. And they, don't, they haven't even been conceived in your heart yet. So there's a way that you can conceive them inside of your heart. There's a way that you can get those things and obtain them. I have not yet walked in the fullness of it, but I am on my way. We are on our way. I'd love uh, for, for, this, for, this, uh, for this message today, I want to pick up from where I started the other week about entering in, entering in the fullness of what God has. And one of the things that continually astounds me is the, the report that the spies gave when they entered into the promised land. One of the things we notice about this, about entering into the promised land, how do you know? How can you tell if you have walked into the fullness of what God has? Is it because of the quality or the spirituality of your Facebook posts? Heck no. <laughs> not, not even. No. When the spies came back, one of the things they brought back was this. They brought a report that it was flowing with milk and honey. In other words, that the, the land was productive. In other words, is there productivity in your life? Is this what is being reproduced inside of our lives? Is there, uh, the other thing that they said was the size of the fruit. It took two men to carry one cluster of grapes. It's a metaphor to say that that, that the fruit that is upon our life is an indicator of whether we have walked into the fullness of what God has for us. Not the quality of what you post on Facebook or anything else like that. What is tangibly manifested inside of your life? What has been produced? Oh, it's a question I ask for myself. What, is I, what am I producing? What is the fruit that is on my life? And that is an indicator of, one of, of, of us walking into the promises of God. The question I had was, why did they come back with such a negative report? If, if, you, if you look at it in, the terms of a, in terms of a time span, it was only about 18 months between them spying out that land and them being miraculously released from the, the, the world's greatest superpower at that time. In the course of 18 months, they had literally seen the world's greatest superpower destroyed in front of their eyes. They had literally seen the glory of God manifested. No nation before, and I don't believe until this day, that not one nation apart from that nation of Israel at that time all saw the glory of God manifested at one time. They were all witnesses of the fire and the, and the glory cloud. They saw the miraculous provision. They saw miraculous victories. But yet, how could they possibly bring back a defeatist mindset? How could they possibly bring back a defeatist report? In such a short amount of time. For me, it's like, um, how, after all the victories I've seen God do through my life, how could I possibly doubt Him right now? How could that happen? But yet, it still happens today. How could they do that? How could they see that God series, all the plagues that God sent? How could they see it? And then, then all of a sudden, just walk away. And one of the things we also note is this. These men that were sent to spy out the land, they were not random hobos. They were not random Joe Blows. They were, the Bible, the scripture would say that they were leaders from their tribes. In other words, they were men of renown. They were men who were leaders of their tribes. They were not just willy-nilly random people picked from the crowd. So 
It wasn't that they were people that had demonstrated leadership. And yet these people that had demonstrated leadership still came back with a negative report. Why? Why so? Why had they seen the glory? These are the people that had seen the glory of God manifested, yet they came back with a negative report. Why? And, here, and, and, and if it can happen to these guys, it can happen to me. One of the things I believe was this. It was not necessarily the issue of fear that they were intimidated by what they saw. I don't believe they were afraid of the failure. Never before had a whole nation lived so close to God. The glory was right there. Every day they had met fresh manna from heaven. Fresh water was available. If they had a problem, they'd go and complain to Pastor Moses, and Moses would sort the problem for them. They have great church experiences, but still came back and still complained and still gave a negative report. I believe there were two very connected issues behind why they did this. It certainly wasn't the giants. They'd seen giants quashed before. I believe it was this. There were two very connected issues, and this is what I want to bring, bring out. I believe one of, the thing, one of the main things that they were fearing was this, was change. There was a, 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 an article I read a little while ago, and it, was, uh, it, it, it stated this. It said it is not the, 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 the bold or the, or the fearless that uh, obtain the future. It's those who are willing to change. The reason why international companies who are so successful and prosperous disappear overnight is because they're unwilling to change. If you think about what happened here, you think about what the implications meant for them to stop wandering in the wilderness. You think about their experience. They were wandering in the wilderness, but yet they experienced and walked in the full, they, they walked in a dimension of the glory of God that I believe has yet to be released on this earth again. They experienced the fire, they experienced the miracles, they experienced all of that, but they still lived in the desert. The thing about this, and, and one of the things I uh, I started to contemplate was this, and was simply this. What say it worked? What say all of those things that God had prophesied, that had been prophesied over my life and over our church, what say it actually did happen? How would that affect the way that I've got to live my life? The issue is not that. The issue is not the promise, but it's the change that people resist. In other words, what it meant was this. It, it meant there was no more wandering in the desert. It simply meant this, that instead of just having everything turned on to them when they complained, they had to come out of the desert and start to engage in the society. In other words, it's one thing to experience the glory of God in a desert by yourself. See, the glory, God chose Israelites, the nation of Israel to demonstrate and for his glory to abide upon. It is one thing for us to experience the glory, but it's another thing to carry that glory and become and bring it into society like everyone else. The issue was this, the nation of Israel at that time was just simply wandering around in the desert doing their own good little thing, doing their own church business with the glory of God. What it meant for them was this, they would have to now become a nation like everyone else. 
they would have to start to engage in, in, in warfare. It's one thing to receive land, it's another thing to retain it. It's one thing to walk into the promises of God. It's another thing to adapt to the change that that now requires on, on, on my life. It's one, it will be one thing for me to walk into the fullness of, of what God has, but it will be another thing for me to adapt and to change my thinking, to change my heart, to change my behaviors, to change every part of my life in order to sustain that. Hello. It is certainly not the giants. We are well able to do that. What it requires is change. Change from what? There's all, when, when, when we consider change, we've also always got to ask the question, change from what to what? In other words, we've got, there are things in our life that have got to be shifted and they've got to be shifted to something. One of the things we discover about church is this. It's one thing to experience the glory of God in this house. It's one thing to have a, a jolly good spiritual time in this place together. But it's another thing to stand in our community, to stand up in the government, to stand up in our places of work. It's another thing to inherit the places that God has for us. Oh, by golly, I stood in the council and opened up for their prayer the other day. And I'll tell you what, I used in the name of Jesus about half a dozen times. Did you get it? In the name of Jesus. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, the mongrel mob have got over a thousand new recruits in Hawke's Bay and Hastings alone over the last little while. What, what are you going to do about it? What are we going to do about that? We talk about winning souls and talk about bringing the glory of God to the earth. What? What it requires is a significant change, a paradigm shift in our thinking. It's one thing to, to, to live in a world where everything is provided for you, where if you've got a complaint or a trouble, you can pass, talk to the pastor and he'll just do, say sorry. We'll do what he needs to do to make that thing right. It's one thing to cry out for, and just have all your needs met when you need them. And that, my friend, is the issue, I believe, the secondary issue that we're facing. One is the issue of change. It means no more living in tents secluded in the desert. If they entered the land, their lifestyle of camping around the sanctuary, eating manna from heaven, and continuous contact with the glory would need to change. Not stop, but it would need to change. There are some things need to stop, some things need to change. Everyone would start to have to engage the world. Everyone would start to have to carry the responsibility of building a society and a nation, not just Moses. There was a significant paradigm shift that it was not just the pastor Moses' role to bring us into the fullness of what God has. No, it required a different type of leadership, a leader that would say, I'm not going to do it all for you. If you've got a problem, I'm not just going to be the, not going to remain the total solution to your problems or your struggles. You have to find a way. You have to start to take ownership for yourself. It's not just Pastor Dave and Kate's church. No, it's our church. It's not just Moses' nation. No, it's our nation. We have to own it collectively. Change. For many people, we've been raised in a paradigm of church, how church operates, how, how pastors should operate. It's been okay for a season, but now it's got to change. 
if we're really going to grow into the fullness of what God has, then we must change. So I've, I've got a prophetic word over my life, over our church, saying that as a church, there's going to be 11 churches planted in X amount of years in, in different places. Awesome. Then I started to think about what does that mean? <laughs> okay. What changes do I got to start to make? It's one thing to have all those 11 churches, but that's going to bring a whole pile of problems. <laughs> Where are we going to get a bass guitarist from? Is people going to turn up today? Or... Where are we going to get this from? Where are, we going to go... Where are we going to get the water from? I don't know. Just hit a rock. Do something. <laughs> you do it. You speak to that rock. You start to see the paradigm shift that's got to happen. For us as a, as, as a church, we can't just contain the glory into here and to good experiences at home and on Facebook. No more living in tents. That it means they'd have to work the soil, not just Moses or not just Moses' key people. We would all have to work the soil. We'll all have to build farms. We'll all have to raise stock. We all have to build an economy. And we all have to do it. We all have to be involved. Nobody unemployed. Interesting, I want, to, I want to pick up, and this is one of the things that I found is really important. The other second part I believe is this. And I believe this is the most biggest challenge facing the church today, more so than Islam, more so than the gay and lesbian movement. There have been gays and lesbians for 2,000, 4,000 years. Islam's been around for 1,500 years. It's not the biggest threat to the church. i tell you now. I could tell you what is, though. It's very interesting you'd say that. One of the things I believe is this. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, and Mark chapter 1 and verse 5. Jesus says these words. He says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, he's talking about the coming kingdom. You could refer that, you could also reference that to the being like coming into the promised land. The kingdom of God is at hand. The word, the, 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 the word, or the two words at hand means convenient. It means convenient. Don't misunderstand what Jesus is saying. What he is not saying is this, that the kingdom of God is convenient. He's not saying that. He refers that, that yes, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is far closer than we could ever imagine. His presence is far closer than you can ever imagine. Even the promises that he has for us, they're far closer than what we could ever imagine. But they're certainly not convenient. I can assure you this, it is not convenient to pull people out and prophesy over them. <laughs> it is not convenient to do something. Many things in the kingdom are not convenient. Convenient means we can just turn it on and off whenever we like. There is a dimension to the kingdom of God. So I could step into the word of prophecy right now. I could tap into that and prophesy over somebody and do that. No problem. However, it's not convenient. What I mean by that is this. Convenience can be an enemy of the kingdom. And I believe it's one of the most biggest challenges that you and I in this church face today. 
We live in a world that has become increasingly convenient. Increasingly convenient. I have studied it. I've been involved in marketing. The whole point behind it was to make people's lives more convenient. There are people that are made, paid millions of dollars, companies invest millions of dollars and to help making your life more convenient. Right now, the world is more convenient than you could ever imagine. Really. If you were hungry, you could just get an app on your phone and we could get pizza delivered to this place right now. <laughs> Everything in the world today is designed now to be at our fingertips. It is designed to be at hand. Is designed to be convenient. But anyone who has done anything great for God can assure you this, that it has never been convenient. <laughs> when God wants to do something in some person's life, when God, wants to, when God calls you, it's never convenient. It's like the Lord's saying, are we ready now? We can... Are we ready? We can move on. Have you sorted out those issues? And Can we move on with the good things now? Has anyone ever experienced that with God? No. So here we have a, a, almost like a paradox where, yes, the kingdom of God is, or the kingdom of heaven is at hand, but it is certainly not convenient. It is not convenient for me most of the time to do some of the things that I do. Would you agree with that, Pastor Mike? <laughs> So convenience, one of the things that um, we live in a world of increasing and convenient. If it doesn't, if it's not convenient to us, it, I don't know about you, but it's like if it's not convenient now, it annoys us. Anything that is not convenient becomes annoying. Even church now has become convenient. If the pastor says something, that provokes you. <laughs> if a prophet comes in and puts, brings a, a truth into your life to bring you forward, it can be annoying. <laughs> it's convenient now for us, for any person, just to pack up their bags and just wander off to another church. In fact, you don't even need to go to church. You can stay in your bed and turn on that YouTube and be watching us right now. It is inconvenient sometimes to get out of bed. It's inconvenient sometimes to purposefully go and engage with relationships. But yet that is where the kingdom of God is manifested. I want to bring you into this piece of scripture as I tie up in, in, in Numbers chapter 32. And this piece of scripture really did strike me because the... Israelites, they missed out on the promised land the first time and they nearly missed out on the second time as well because of this one issue. It wasn't because of the giants. It wasn't because of the giants. And if it happens to them, it can happen to us today. Listen to this. Now the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad had very large herds of cattle. They were in the desert, but they were prospering. And they saw the land of Jazar in the land of Gilead on the east side of the Jordan River. And indeed, the place was suitable for raising livestock. And so the sons of Gad and the sons of Reuben came and spoke to Moses. 
and said to the leaders of the congregation, saying, the country around us, the land which the, con- the Lord has conquered before the congregation Israel, is a land suitable for livestock. Whose livestock? Theirs. Anyone else's? No. Theirs. And your servants have very large flocks of cattle. They said, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Listen to this. Do not take us across the Jordan. In other words, what they're saying is this. The lifestyle that we currently have suits us. Not even considering the other 10 tribes. We've done enough, we've fought enough. The lifestyle now that we're currently living, it is good enough for us. Please do not let us cross. Don't let us cross over. What? What? Don't let us cross into the promised land. But Moses said to the sons of Gad and Reuben, what, you think the rest of your brothers are going to go to war while you just sit here? Now, listen to this. Now, why are you discouraging? Listen to this again. It is the same talk that happened with the the spies when they went in the first time. They're saying the same thing again 40 years later, and it's the kids of the parents that were saying the same thing. They were reproducing the same kind of talk that stopped the flipping people going in there in the first place. Why are you discouraging the hearts of the Israelites from crossing into the land which the Lord has given them? This is what your fathers did when I sent them out to spy the land. For they went up into the valley of Eshcol, they saw the land, and then they came back and discouraged the hearts of the Israelites so they did not enter into the land that God had given them. You think the reason we stop entering into the fullness of God, of what God has for our life, is because of what's going on in the world around us? Absolutely not. Look, I'm, I'm preaching to myself here because I asked the question my, myself. The circumstances are different. I'm not living in the desert. However, the same kind of talk, the same kind of spirit of heart can be active in my life today because we can get to a point where we've got a f- fair amount of livestock. I don't farm cattle, but I've, I'm not suffering in life anymore. If nothing changed in my life, I'd be quite happy. I've got a place up in the country where I can yell, I can do what I want to do outside and no one can really bother me too much. It's quite convenient, thank you very much. I'll just leave it there. But <laughs> and it's quite convenient. This church, we don't carry any debt. We haven't carried any debt for a long time. We've got finance in the bank. It's quite convenient for us. 
There's no one harassing us. No one's spilling evil of us. I mean, there might be a handful of people that are, are struggling, but generally, we're quite content. This is, and for me, when I started to read this, I thought, Lord, please, I don't want to be the one that's saying, let us not, let, let's stay here because it's convenient for me. And I started to research and started to look. What happened was, sure, the Israelites entered into the promised land, but two and a half tribes did not. Reuben, the, the tribes of Reuben and Gad remained behind, and half the tribe of Manasseh. Please don't let us cross over. Please don't get into my life. Please don't disrupt my lifestyle. My life is kind of good. Please don't say anything or do anything that will inconvenience me. Essentially what they're saying is this. Yes, I want that, but kind of not. I want to stay here. In other words, it's yeah, nah. <laughs> yeah, it kind of sounds good, and, but nah, we're good here, thanks. If we want to enter into what God has for us, I can assure you with every ounce of assurance and confidence, we're going to be inconvenienced. Your time's going to be inconvenienced. Your money's going to be inconvenienced. Everything's going to be inconvenienced. It's an inconvenience on my soul. It's an inconvenience, on my, it's an inconvenience in many places. But the, 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 the cost of not doing it, I don't want to spend another 40 years still thinking about what God has for us. I'm so happy we've got a generation of people now saying they've got a different kind of talk, saying we'll do what it takes in order for us to move forward. So what if, an, so what if I need to change? So what if I need to make whatever change is necessary? We live in a world of convenience. We live in a world of options. But it won't produce the fruit of the kingdom inside of us. We won't bring and come into the promised land. Amos 6 verse 1 says, Woe to those who are at ease in Zion. I was reading that this morning. I don't want us to become so comfortable as a church that it's just, uh, things just become optional for us. I don't want that. I'm going to get ready to step out of the boat. I'm going to start planting churches in Auckland. It's an inconvenience to me. It's inconvenient to my emotions because it feels like, what if it doesn't work? What if no one comes? But what if it does work? What if it does? See, the kingdom of heaven is extraordinarily close. He is so far, he was so close than you could ever imagine. In Jeremiah 23, verse 23, I conclude with this. God asked Jeremiah, he said, am I a God who is only close at hand? No, I am far away at the same time. Am I a God that is just close at hand? No, I'm far away at the same time. 
What does that mean? It means, simply means this. One, he's very close. He's close. He can hear your thoughts. He can hear your whispers. He can hear the meditations of our heart. He can see their desires. He can see the struggles. He can see everything. But at the same time, he's not convenient. At the same time, the Bible says that he's also far away. And the reason why he says that is this. Because if he is just close all of the time, and we become so familiar and become so convenient, it produces spiritual laziness. It does not produce fruit. There are times when you have to stretch for the things of the kingdom. There are things, times when you have to stretch emotionally. Every Sunday I stretch emotionally. Even right now I'm stretching emotionally. I put myself on the line. I'd rather sit down and be quiet and let somebody else do it. But I stretch myself emotionally. I stretch myself physically. I stretch myself. I reach out. Sometimes there are times when I've got to inspire people. But God, you feel so far away. That's the time when you've got to reach for Him. Lord, I... I'm struggling, I'm facing some challenges right now, but I know that you're with me. Today I I rise in faith, I rise in my spirit. I reach for you, I reach for your promises. I reach for your hand. I reach for your spirit today. Yes, it's inconvenient, but oh, I'm gonna reach for you. And I'm gonna keep reaching for you until I obtain what you have for me. I'm gonna keep reaching for you until I, I get all of you in my life, Lord. God has called us, gave us the Holy Spirit that we would experience His closeness and we could be carriers of His glory, just not in isolation. Wonder whether you're here today. There are promises that God has spoken over your life. You're sitting there wondering when they're going to come past. God, you promised blessing. You promised me this, you promised me that. Yes, He did. What are you going to do about it? (laughs) He promised us churches in different parts of the country. What I'm not going to do is just sit there and say, okay, bring them in. No, I'm going to stretch for them. I'm going to stretch for them. I'm going to believe them. I'm going to believe that God will bring people. And how am I going to do that? Well, I'm just going to start reaching out and start doing some things. Start putting some money. Start putting some time. Start putting some effort into some things. That's how you get these things. That's how you obtain the promises that God has for you. I want to encourage you and challenge you. Let us not be people that just consider our own life and just consider our own lifestyle and are unwilling to, unwilling to change, unwilling to just rattle our lifestyle a bit. Let's not be people that out of our mouths come discouraging talk that when somebody wants to move forward, don't, oh, don't, you don't need to do that. Don't need to pray so loud. You don't need to pray so hard. You don't need to worship. You don't need to turn the volume up so high. Heck no, turn the thing right up. You don't need to strive. You don't need to struggle. No, I'm not striving and struggling. I'm reaching for what God has for me. 
be deceived by a spirit that comes around you. Don't be deceived by religious spirits that, that cause you to become passive and sit there and become content in the name that God is a God of love. He's not a destroyer. He is both close and He is both far away. There are times when you've got to sit there and receive His love, absolutely. But there are times when you've got to get up on your feet and start reaching and start stretching and start believing and start shifting your life and start changing. Changing your time, changing your talk, changing your thinking, changing the way that you relate, changing the way that you come to church, come to... It's not the enemy is not going to be Islam or anything like that. It is you and me and whether we are one willing to change and whether we're one, two, willing to become inconvenient at times in our life. Simply that. I pray today, Father, for your people. I thank you, Lord, for your promises. I thank you for your promises over our lives of blessing. I thank you for your promises of enlargement. I thank you for your promises of growth. I pray today, Father, that your spirit would burn alive inside of us, every one of us today, in the name of Jesus. Father, where people have become passive, where people have become just convenient, and Lord, we've become tied up in our own little world, consumed with our own little lifestyle. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak into our lives and stir us again in Jesus' name. Where people have sat down in their life, where people have stopped stretching, Holy Spirit, let your presence come and breathe upon their lives today in Jesus' name. If I was preaching to me, I'd be up on my feet saying, I'm going to stretch for the things of God. Come on, get up onto your feet. Make a change. Change something. Change the way that you pray. Change the way that you praise. Change the way that you turn up to church. Change change the way that you live your life. Just change. come and move powerfully upon our lives again. Mess us up, Holy Spirit. Mess us up. Intervene in our lives today again, Holy Ghost. Intervene into this church again, Holy Spirit. Intervene, Holy Spirit. Disrupt our lives. Stir hunger in our hearts afresh, Holy Ghost. Lord, we reach out to you today. We reach out to you in faith. Heavenly Father, I pray today that you would show us the areas of our life where we have just become content, where we've just become set in our lifestyle and are unwilling to change. 
I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would forgive us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd move and stir our hearts again. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd help us lift up our eyes, not settle on this side, but Lord, that you would cause us to move into the fullness of what you have for us in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, all God's people said, Amen. I encourage you this week, do something that starts to disrupt what you've been comfortable in. Remember these guys, they said, our livestock are very big. In other words, we've got a lot to lose. It's more suitable for us. Think about the words that come out of your mouth. Well, church is not convenient for me today. It's not convenient for me to reach out. Or it's not convenient to connect. To heck with that. Make time. Disrupt whatever you need to disrupt in order for you to connect and start to build. What about the promises that God has for you? Don't settle for second less. Don't settle for just where you are now. There are people here today, there is far more that God has for you, but you're just settling down. Please don't make, don't just, don't let us go over the other side. We're just quite happy where we are now. Just preach nice messages. Just preach messages that don't challenge me. <laughs> preach messages that are not, not, don't have too much teeth in them. Just, no, no, no. My heart is to see you come forward. Our heart is to see us grow. I bless you today in Jesus' name. Come, let's one, give a minor one more time.